When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, welcome back to the Tomahawk Take Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jake Mastriani, and with me as always is Alan. Hello. And Fred. Hi there. And guys, we are just two weeks away from opening day here, so things are getting really close. The only thing you know, really to be decided is the bench battle, and I wrote an article on that on Friday, kind of giving you some of my th- final thoughts You know, with two weeks left to go here in uh, everybody keeps talking about Johan Camargo as being a lock for the bench, but I just don't see it personally. I think Adrianza is the better option at this point, but I guess just because he's been with the Braves, they, they want to give him another chance there. I know I see a lot of people just locking in Camargo for the bench. So uh, I don't know, Fred, can you explain to me why Camargo is a lock for the bench on the Braves? I'll tell you why he's going to be there, in my opinion. He's going to be there because we raised him. He's the Brave. And he's not going to be any worse than Adrian's at the start. Now, O'Brien said in the comments later on today, somebody asked him about that. He said, that if, if, um, if Camargo doesn't get his act together, this will be his last year because he'll be too expensive next year. He came yeah. in at 1.6 this year. He'll be a three and a half million dollar player next year. He's not worth that. And, uh, unless he turns it around. Uh, when I wrote that post, I have data that shows how few hard-hit balls he really has. When he hits the ball over 90 miles an hour, he bats about 430. But he doesn't hit it over 90 miles an hour very often, and he's over the three years of, uh, well, yeah, through two, 2023 years and whatever games he played last year. The, statistically, he doesn't hit the ball very hard, and he hasn't since he changed his swing in 2018 and tried to get that extra launch angle. And and really, 2018, if you look at the numbers, all he did was exchange his doubles for homers. Uh, he has the same amount of extra base hits. It's just that, they, that he picked up homers where there were doubles before. And some of that was the baseball, and some of that was the, the, an increased launch angle of about three degrees. But when it came to 2019, launch angle went down, 
his uh, his uh, exit velocity dropped two miles an hour, and you can't survive with an 86 mile an hour average exit velocity. No matter, I've, I've been chastised in comments about saying that. I said that about Adrianza. I said it's, it's the same for Camargo. If you're at an 86 mile an hour launch angle uh, exit velocity, you're not going to hit the ball hard enough to um, do it often enough. You're going to run into mistakes hit home runs on mistake fastballs. He's going to do that. But he's it's not it's not going to be good enough to play every day anywhere. And uh, he, he's going to be too expensive at $3.5 to keep. He's here because he's Camargo. They love him. They're going to give him another chance because last year was just a bad year. But if he doesn't do it in the first half, I don't know that he'll be around for the second. I'm not sure that he's going to, that they're in love with him that much myself. This is not his first bad year that we're talking about. It's his second. And, you know, fool me once, fool me twice kind of a, a thing here. They they brought in Adrian's, I think, because they aren't sure that Camargo is going to produce enough. And they need to have a backup shortstop. And that's that's the position we're talking about here is somebody who can fill that role if Swanson goes down with an injury. Sure. They don't really need – they're not really looking for somebody that's a – uh a uh, great offensive threat or anything like that. They just need somebody who at least, you know, mark time and hold the fort until uh, Swanson could get back if he's hurt. So I don't know that they're that much enamored with Camargo. And what I told you the other day is reaction to your post. I, I still think in Camargo is a change of scenery guy. He needs to go someplace else where he can play every day. And I don't know where that's going to be, but, someplace else where he at least gets a different set of instructions into his ear and maybe he'll have a chance to take off a little better because what are, what he's been doing over the last couple of years isn't working and he's not responding to instruction. So I don't know that uh, the Braves are that married to him that they would put him on the roster automatically. Plus he's got an, uh, a minor league option and we we talked about it. You could go down to minor leagues and not get at bats for a, a month, and that's not going to do you any good. But uh, at least they've got a chance to do something else with Adrianza on the big league club and Camargo sent down without uh, losing anybody. So I, I think there's possibility that that might might happen. Well, the thing about uh, if I let me just one more thing about that. Snitker's been talking about how much better Camargo's been playing defense this spring. He's made three or four statements to the press that about Camargo's moving well again. He's playing shortstop like he did before again. He's been very positive about the defense. And if his defense was still uh, 2019 defense, he wouldn't go, he wouldn't go up with the team. But I, I think I, I, the way Snitker's been talking, I think he's going to bring him up for that. Now he did come in in shape. Yeah. I think that uh, uh, he's a 20 B free agent. He's got six years, so he's a 20B free agent. If they don't put him on the 40-man roster or the 27th, they've got to give him either a $100,000 uh, retention bonus uh, or they've got to release him. Now, in the past, the Braves have done a walk-up handshake deal where they released a guy two days later. They signed him back to a minor league deal. Whether they're going to do that with Adrian's or not, I don't know. But they could do that, or they could just give him the 100000 And if Camargo doesn't do it in the first two months, replace him. Um, but, uh, but Adrian's is not on the 40 man, uh, like, uh, like Irvin and, uh, Kipna or a Irvin and, uh, lamb, uh, lamb and, uh, and, and Camargo other. for that matter. And, yeah. And, well, yeah, there, but 
somebody's going to have to come up, come off of the 40 man for him to do that. Soroka's hurt, um, but he's, he'll be back. Ender's hurt, but he'll be back. I don't know. I still think, I still think Camargo comes up, like I said in the post. I think he comes up because, because he's Camargo. If he doesn't do it, I think he goes away. Um, and I think they'll, they'll try to hang on to Adrian's, uh, through one of the, those little loophole things. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been a big proponent of Adrian's all spring training and, you know, watching the game here on Friday night, it's kind of just solidifying that for me. You see Adriana works a, works a walk, steals a base and Camargo's up and, and strikes out, which again, it, it's a microcosm. I get it. It's a small sample size. It's one inning. It's one at bat. But he, just, Camargo had to hit earlier. Yeah, but I'm just saying, in the four games that have been on TV this this spring for the Brave, which is just frustrating and another subject. But I just I like what I've seen from Adrianza at the plate a lot more than what I see from Camargo and what I've seen from Camargo the past two years. So, I mean, I'm ready to move on from him, but I'm kind of with you, Fred. I think just because he is one of our guys, they're going to give him – a shot, and then hopefully we can hang on to Adrianza, and you know Camargo doesn't get it together, then then they can replace him. But I'm kind of like with Allen too. I, I feel like Camargo just needs a a fresh look somewhere else, maybe somewhere you know where he can get playing time. You know maybe somebody has a team gets a third baseman gets hurt, and they want to trade for Camargo and let him get those everyday at bats. You know Cincinnati. I want that Cincinnati uh, doesn't have a shortstop. Well, yeah, I, I know what Snicker's saying about Camargo's improvement at shortstop. I, again, there's been four games on TV, so it's hard for me to make a judgment on that. But I, I don't know if he could play it full, every day full time. But Cincinnati's going to play Suarez at shortstop. Yeah, Camargo's I heard that. Than that. Yeah, Camargo's I heard than that. <laughs> I, that. That's that's a true statement for sure. But and he's dirt um, cheap, so they can afford him. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, man, let's just do a straight up trade for uh, Suarez and Camargo there. But. Um, there but I, well, I was I was thinking that if Riley doesn't hit and Camargo doesn't hit, you do you package Newcomb and Camargo uh, to Cincinnati for Mustakas. Yeah, except Mustakas is awful expensive in the out years, so it probably is, it's not really going to be work like that. But that was the first thing that came to mind. Mm. But but Cincinnati Cincinnati is a is a place that would would take Camargo and say bless you for a shortstop. I'm thinking because their defense is going to be crap anyway. Yeah, I mean, and that I, I just think that's somewhere that he that needs to have something that needs to happen for Camargo, and I want the best for him. I mean, I, I get it. He, you know, he's one of our guys. I want to see him succeed. I just feel like he's not going to get the best opportunity to do that here in Atlanta. You know, being a, a part time player here and there, I, I'm just kind of over it at this point to to really come through without you know any kind of bias on it, just because of what I've seen from him the past couple of years. He also suffers from the you know, Robinson Cano uh, type mentality where it just looks like he doesn't care. He plays like that. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. You know it Cano could get by with it because he was an MVP player, although that could have been enhanced at this point. We don't know. But, you know, <laughs> it's fine to, to play like that and, and look like you don't care and play relaxed like that if you're hitting 330 plus home runs a year. But when you're not, it just makes you look like a lazy player. So Camargo suffers from that a little bit. And I know that irks a lot of fans as well, but well, I think one of the things that hurts Camargo is he went he went back to do winter ball this year because he didn't feel like he did well last year, and he hit worse in winter ball against Double uh, A and below pitching than he did during the league. He didn't do what winter ball was supposed to do for you, help you fix things. 
and he comes back and he's the same player. Now, I agree with you. I think I think that uh, uh, if it wasn't for him being uh, brave, I think he would. They would move on for him right away. But I just I, I think Adrian doesn't have the job. I just don't think they're going to do that now. Well, just like every year in the NCAA tournament, there's a 12 seed that beats a five, and I picked one of those this year at least. <laughs> uh, I think every time you get down to the last week of spring training, there's some surprises that happen on the roster, and this is essentially my pick to, to be the surprise is that Camargo's not going to make the team, but I also agree that it could be a coin flip. It's going to be real close coming down to the wire, and it could be just – the perception of the upside uh, from from what they're seeing uh, go along here. I, d- I don't know that there's going to be uh, a great deal of distance between the two, but if Adrianza wants it more, or at least looks like he wants it more, then he might get the nod. I don't know. But uh, it, it may also depend on some other things like how many bench bats you're going to get on, on the bench, uh, whether they do the uh, – 12 position players or 13, because uh, I think that's going to be critical in some other areas on, on the final selections, too. Yeah, I think National League teams are going to have to use a full five-man bench just because without the DH, it's going to be become more of a factor. I think you'll see – I don't know why American League teams wouldn't go to a 14-man pitching staff, but I think for National League teams, you're, you're probably going to have to. And So speaking of that bench, I, yeah. I think what I have right now is – I, I don't know. I go, I go back and forth on Alex Jackson and William Contreras. I wrote the other day. I, I still think the Braves maybe look for some waiver wire pickups here for a veteran catcher. Uh, but I, if I had to pick between Jackson and Contreras, I'd go with the one with the more offensive upside in Contreras at this point. And then probably Camargo, even though I think it should be Adrianza. Got Ender and Ciarte on there. Jason Kipnis and Jake Lamb. So if I had to guess, that's what I would predict right now. Um, do y'all kind of agree with that or? I'm torn. I think Kipnis may be a little further down the, the list myself and Sand, it, it's, it may come down to Sandoval and Kipnis and I'm not sure which ones to go with there. Lamb hasn't been hitting worth a darn. He just sent one to the warning track in center field, but, uh, he, it still didn't fall. So I, I'm still not sure if he's got his uh, swing together or not, and I don't know how long the, they can wait for that to happen. I, he's got another week and a half to, to figure it out, and maybe he does. But uh, I think the fact that he does have a major league contract gives him a, a leg up. I'm not sure beyond that beyond whether uh, they go with another guy who plays the same positions in Sandoval or does Kipnis who can play more positions. That's the gotcha. Contreras and uh, Enciarte, I figure, are probably the closest thing to locks that we've got, especially Enciarte for all the obvious reasons. He's the only extra real true outfielder we've got right now. And then we've got a handful of guys on the infield. But I think most of them are going to – well, all of them can hit left-handed, all the guys that are left other than Contreras. So at least the Braves can do something about that – uh, right-handed heavy regular lineup in the late innings when relievers come in so they, they don't get stuck uh, with a bunch of right-handed relievers coming in. So my my personal opinion is I think it's going to be Lamb and Sandoval first with Adrianza and then 
that it's if those three are there, that that gives you thirteen position players, and I I kind of hope they end up doing that and use the uh, option list and and the Gwinnett shuttle to get your extra reliever instead of actually putting fourteen of them on the roster. Yeah, the problem with the with the Gwinnett shuttle is that they changed the rules back to uh, how long the guy has to be in the mind. The pitcher has to be down before yes, he can they did. back up. Mm-hmm. And they, they did away with the pitcher disabled with the seven-day disabled. It, it, you're not going to be able to do what the Dodgers did, you know, rotate people in and out real quickly to give people an extra day of list. I, I'm I'm pretty well on the Contreras, Contreras and Lamb train. And O'Brien said today, wrote today, what I've thought all along. They, they looked at Lamb and said, the man's been hurt. This is his first year in like two and a half years that he hasn't been hurt. The back of his baseball card says 30 home runs plus defense at third base. And I got a question, and this is me uh, thinking, uh, and, and we have a question at third base, and I need a plus defender. Lamb is a better defender at third than Riley, okay, or than Sandoval, and he's at least as good as Riley. Yeah. So if if Riley doesn't hit, they want to plug Lamb into that spot. That's why I think Lamb is on the is in the group. And of course, he's the backup for Freddie. If 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 hell freezes over, Freddie doesn't play. So uh, the and NCRT is going to be there unless we put him in that package. Send for Cincinnati because why not? Um, but uh, NCRT is going to be there. Contreras is going to be there, and Lamb's going to be there. Um, Camargo, I think, is going to be there. And then the other one I think is Kipnis, and I think that's because Kipnis has been like four for eight in his last five games, with a couple of doubles, a couple of extra base hits, and again back of the baseball card kind of guy, left-handed hitter with some pop, plays the middle infield, can place has played center field too, um, and I think that uh, that's going to push him over the top. Uh, I was leaning the other way until I read read uh, O'Brien's logic today about uh, about that because I didn't. I don't keep up as much with the spring training helmets they did for win things in there, but if he's been getting hot lately, that will turn uh, the people who make the decisions eyes on. In other mm-hmm. words, Kipnis has been hot. Hey, look, and we think the back of his baseball card is going to come back. So I think that that's a possibility. I, I think I think Kipnis and Lamb, uh, Contreras, Camargo, uh, and NCRT. Yeah, I, I've seen people kind of talk up Sandoval. I, I don't get what he brings to the team by having him on the bench. To me, he's he's only a third baseman. I I, I don't want to see him at first base. But I understand there's not a ton of great options at backup first base, and we hope that we don't need them anyway. But he he looks terrible at first base, in my opinion. And you know, he doesn't give you a ton of power at this point. He's going to spray a single here or there. I just don't understand what value Sandoval would bring to your bench other than just being a veteran. So. I don't see him being on the bench, and like I think, I think it's pretty set with Contreras, Camargo, Enciarte, Kipnis, and and Lamb um, at this point. Again, the only thing I, I would change personally is have Adrianza over Camargo and let Camargo start out in AAA and get every day at bat, see if he can get something going. But again, the problem with that is too that I keep thinking of is that. With the AAA season being delayed a month, do you want him just sitting at the the alternate site for a month? And I don't know what the alternate site looks like. That could be good. Get him more, you know, one on one time with coaches, more reps there. So that could that could be even better than him just sitting on a major league bench every night. But I think Gallon's got a point. I don't think he's listening to the coaches anymore. I mean, uh, you, you you look around and Seitzer's got everybody hitting basically, except Enciarte and and Ender's who he is. And Chipper's been down there. And Chipper's been working with everybody. 
again, I'm not, I'm not in the chipper can fix anything boat because I, I don't think he can. But if you're not going to listen to a Hall of Fame third baseman and a, and a hitting coach like Seitzer who's had everybody on the team hitting, who are you going to listen to? And what goods are going to do you to be at, at the alternate site or in AAA? Uh, Alan's got the answer for me that they, uh, the change of scenery thing. Again, I just don't know who, uh, right offhand, if it's not Cincinnati, uh, would, would, uh, jump in and give you anything, uh, worthwhile for that. Not that they have a lot, but I mean, you know, if, I, I think that they, uh, Bowden wrote today that Cincinnati's finances are catastrophically bad or something like that. Ouch. And that they're li- that they're liking them because he wrote a thing about five trades, which is just awful trades. But but um, it was typical voting. But he he came out and said that Cincinnati's finances were either catastrophic or something along that line. I can't remember the exact word. I'm not going to try to drag it up now. But basically, he said they were they they were needing to cut and cut and cut and cut money. That's why everybody's gone. So you look at who on the roster they're going to get rid of, they could get rid of, and that's basically Moustakas, Joey Votto. Nobody's going to take Joey Votto's contract, and Joey Votto's a 10-5 and five guy. He ain't going anywhere. And then you come down, you got Moustakas and then Suarez and those guys. And after that, nobody makes any money. And your boy uh, Castellanos. Pardon? And your boy Castellanos. Oh, yeah, Castellanos. Yes, that's true. But we don't have a spot for Castellanos now. I mean, uh, you know, we got Ozuna back, and he, he's that guy. Um, so, yeah, but I think that Moustakas is a guy that could move, particularly if we needed a third baseman. I don't, I'm not saying we're going to, but, um, I, I think that that's a possibility, but I don't think, I don't think Camargo listens to anybody at this point. Um, and I don't think it does him any good to be anywhere particularly better than the major league team where he's got at least guys. Uh, the one thing about Camargo is, if it's a, if it's late and and we're behind, he'll hit better than if he than he does any other time. How much better? I don't know this year, but he does seem to raise his game when he can he can be the guy like he did for the Dominican. Uh, you know, I love Camargo. I wanted him to come up. I wanted when I I thought he was the next Martin product, uh, and said so. And somebody pointed out to me that his bat wasn't that good, and I pooed it. But yeah, uh, Lee was right. His bat isn't that good. And then moving over to the rotation a little bit to and DOB and his uh, roster projection, you know, kind of said that the Braves will probably go into the season with just four starters and carry an extra bullpen arm, which makes sense because with the off day, they really don't need a, a fifth starter um, for a week into the season, really. So I think that gives them a little bit of added you know, room there. And with that final spot, I think it's coming down to Nate Jones, who pitched tonight, and Carl Edwards, Jr., and I, I really don't, again, I'm going to keep saying this, I just haven't been able to watch enough games this spring to really have a great idea of who's, you know, looked better. Obviously, you can look at the stats and kind of see, you know, Nate Jones has had a pretty good spring. Carl Edwards Jr. has been been pretty good, not great. So I don't really have a great feel for which one of them, you know, would most likely get a spot. But I think the rest of the bullpen is pretty pretty well set. I mean, you got the four main guys at the back. With Will Smith had a really good inning tonight. Chris Martin, Tyler Matzik, AJ Minner, and then you got the guys who I think are are on the chopping block if they don't have a get out to a good start to the year. And Luke Jackson and and Grant Dayton, and then you got 
the ever-reliable Josh Tomlin in there, my guy, and then probably either Nate Jones or Carl Edwards Jr. as that, that eighth one right yeah, the now. Question, the question I have is, why did they love Grant Dayton? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know what Grant Dayton brings to the team. He looks to me like he's he, – he doesn't look like he's enthusiastic about anything, and he pitches like he's – uh, well, I can't remember that lefty used to pitch for St. Louis and come in and get one man out and leave the game. Uh, he, he was like 40 years old. And when Dayton's on the mound, that's who I see. Uh, soft tosser, every now and then he'll run one up there. It's 90-ish, 91-ish. But I, I I just don't see the – I don't know what and they we, see in Dayton other than he's lefty. And we already have a ton of lefties in the bullpen. Yeah, as and we've is, got so. three power lefties down there. So I don't understand. I, I It doesn't make sense to me. But uh, you know, I think he's out of op- well, I think he's an option left. In, in any case, I don't know why he's there, and you don't have both of those guys. I, I think Nate Jones is there, uh, just simply because we saw him tonight, and we're going to see him again. And I think that he's high enough on the on their radar that he's going to be there. And then it's really, can Luke hold on, and uh, and do they keep Dayton, and uh, does Carl Edwards strike out? Is it are, are his strikeouts good enough to overcome all those walks he's given away? A bulletin that we need to oxygen at third base. That was yes. Sandoval just ran to third <laughs> yeah. from first on a uh, Ryan Goins double. I mean, uh, who did? Ryan Goins hit the double, and uh, Sandoval's standing on third now. I mean, ah, Panda. I mean, Acuna would have scored standing up, but Panda yeah. barely made it to third base. Team. I'm with Fred. I don't think Dayton makes the team. Uh, he'd be another one of my surprise uh, cuts in the last thing because I think uh, both Edwards Jr. and Nate Jones will make it. That That's my uh, take right now. And that's, of course, based also on a 13-man bullpen, not a not a 14 or 13-man pitching staff, not a 14-man. Uh, and I'm still trying to figure out how in the world we only end up, only need four starters to start. Uh, cause we need that fifth starter no later than April 7th when the Braves have five games in a row. Yeah, they got one off day there on April 2nd, but, uh, and then they, they pick right up with five in a row, one day off, and then they got ten in a row. So they're going to need that fifth starter pretty darn quick. So if, if yes, you do want to run one more reliever out there the first, week or so, that's fine, but he's got to be gone by April 7th. So yeah. I, I'm not sure uh, how that's happening. But, yeah, I, th- I think uh, Dayton is um numbered man right now. Yeah, he's one, too. I was surprised I was surprised they brought they got him and Luke Jackson's contract. Uh, I guess that was just based on money situation. They didn't think they'd be, go out, be able to go out and sign guys, but I saw relievers that signed this year for about what they're going to make that I would take over Luke Jackson and Grant and Dayton, but I think they could do, do a thing with Jackson like they did two years ago. I think they could release him, sign him back to a minor league deal. <laughs> because <laughs> because good. I don't think anybody else covets him yeah. that much. They look around and say, "When was the last time he had a clean inning?" And nobody can remember. So, uh, but he does get a lot of ground balls when that slider sliding. Uh, but I just you know I think there are better options. I agree with Jake. I think I, I was shocked when they picked up his out. I thought he yeah. was a non tender candidate from the start. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that may have been the biggest surprise of the offseason, right? They they cut Adam Duvall and picked up Luke Jackson, which, Fred, I think you were kind of on the Adam Duvall train and thought that might happen. But uh, that certainly shocked me when when they picked up Jackson and let Duvall, Duvall go. Duvall cost $4 million more. That's, yeah. Well, yeah. 
Well, yeah. A couple, two million, right? I think he was well, projected uh, at five. But. Well, he's four and a half. He's four and a half. To, was he supposed to get four point five? And and Camargo got one and a half. So, you know, three, well, three million more. Well, I was yeah. I was comparing it to Luke. I thought Luke got two, but but yeah, either way, there I, I get it. Duvall is a little bit more expensive. I didn't understand the budget. You know, was going to be as tight as it has been this offseason, apparently, especially after they jumped out and spent $26 million. I'm thinking, okay, they're about to open the bank. And <laughs> then all of a sudden we're we're cutting Adam Duvall loose, the guy who was, you know, big for us last year because he's going to make $5 million, $4 or $5 million this year. Um, so that that caught me by surprise. Anyway, I thought we were we were about to unload this offseason, and mm-hmm. apparently it was not the case. Although they did spin big, I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, getting Ozuna, getting Morton, and getting Smiley. I guess while we're talking about Smiley, and I mentioned the name, so the rotation, you know, obviously is pretty set with um, the top and Freed and, and Morton, which Morton's looked good this spring and really excited about him this year. And Ian Anderson, who pitched tonight on Friday and looked really good. And then Drew Smiley, who I haven't got a chance to see, I don't think, on TV this spring. Uh, I know he's been kind of up and down. Um, and then I like Bryce Wilson for that fifth spot to cover Soroka. Um, cause I still think they're going to wait till at least mid April, uh, if not late April to bring Soroka back. Well, that's um, the news actually is the fact that there are talking about mid April now. And then that's a surprise. He- Got through a simulated game, uh, Wells covering first base well. So it, it sounds like there's still been no setbacks and he could be even earlier than we'd all guessed possible. Well, you yeah. can't run, they don't want him running the bases yet. Right. And, and that's the problem. Uh, they're going to hold him down there. So they're, they're, they're secure with him running the bases. And, yeah. and right now Agreed. he's not done that. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think Wilson's shown better this spring. Um, and, uh, he, he broke out that extra little pitch last year in, in the postseason that, uh, made the Dodgers go, what the hell's that? And, uh, so, you know, if he picked up that extra pitch and he's repeating it over and over again, he's, he's gonna, he's gonna show better than right because, uh, Wilson attacks. That's the only thing he knows how to do. Attack, attack, attack. He goes right after you. Uh, right will try to get out there and, and outthink you. And Dizzy Dean said pitchers shouldn't think it confuses them. And, and mm-hmm. that's, that's exactly the, 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 you know, we'll give Wilson the ball. He's going to go out and he's going to throw the ball and, and dare you to hit it. And he might bite you if you do. Wright's going to try to confuse you and, 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 and get you to swing at something that isn't there. Wilson's just going to go after you. And I, he's been really good this spring in spite of my ambivalence towards him. And he, I think he's going to be the fifth guy up there if they do settle on a fifth guy. Yeah. And like I said, I, I, I did a radio spot today talking about the Braves, and they were obviously asking about Soroka. And this is before I, I saw the update during the game of him um, pitching. But I just don't know that there's really a good reason to rush Soroka back. I mean, I know he there's wants not. to get back. There, yeah. you know, I know he wants to get back. He's been working hard to do so. But I mean, there's just really no reason to try to rush him back in April. I mean, bring him back late April, early May if you want to. But we we've seen last year we need Soroka for. October. Uh, I mean, we need him for September. We need him later in the year. Um, so I, and, and again, with, with Wilson, the way he's pitching, he looks good. And even, you know, Wright doesn't look terrible. Um, you know, I'd, he'd be serviceable out there as well if we need him for a little while. I, I just don't see the real, you know, reason to rush Soroka back any sooner than you really have to. 
if you're going to have him for 120, 140 innings, maybe max, then yeah, there's no reason to front load those. Uh, so yeah, make sure he's healthy. That, that's why I thought it was a big surprise that they were talking about mid April. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. What happened here? Cause I thought they were going to protect him. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, Fred, I'm with you. I, until he could run the bases freely or, or just stand up there and hold the bat the wrong end and strike out. Uh, a bunch of times, maybe that's the the plan instead to protect him. Uh, but uh, but if you do anything to to jeopardize his health, then you're jeopardizing your October, and that's not good. I I, I read today that Smiley's goal for the year is to get a base hit. Because <laughs> right now he doesn't have in. He doesn't have yeah. one. That that'd be worth eleven million. And he doesn't want to uh, finish be the be the only pitcher when the, the hitting stopped that didn't have one hit. <laughs> He told Jason Stark that. <laughs> now that's funny because you got guys out there like uh, Grinky who are trying to get double digit home runs for his career, and he, he's going to have a chance to go to Colorado and do that in in April. Maybe you get one there, but uh, then you've got guys like Smiley who <laughs> are on the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Mad Bum wants another homer to get twenty, and uh, he he actually wants five more because he wants to beat Zambrano. <laughs> but wow. uh you know, I didn't realize he had that many. That he got Yeah, he's got 19 runs. and oh. he he had a five homer season 4 years, 6 years ago. So, uh, it just depends on how often Tony Lavello lets him lets him bat out there. But uh, I thought it was funny that Smiley wanted to wanted to get a hit because he wanted to have a hit on his record and uh he was before before pitchers stopped hitting. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So Adrianza got himself a nice opposite field double, leaning out to get a breaking pitch and uh, knocked in a couple of runs. Yeah, I mean I just like the guy. He's he's gonna he's gonna have good at bats. He's gonna put the ball in play. I, I know he's not gonna give you a ton of power, but I mean just everything I've seen from him, I, I really like what what he can bring and he can play a lot of different positions. So uh, I mean that's who and I can I, run. Camargo is slower than me. I mean I, yeah. <laughs> He's I mean, slow. I mean, it's a no no brainer to me. But I, I think it's like Fred said: if Camargo hadn't come up with the Braves organization, they it wouldn't be a, an easier decision for them. But uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. The only thing, the only big surprise to me, other surprise to me in spring training so far is Freddie Freeman still hasn't gotten a contract extension. Can somebody explain to me why that hasn't happened yet? We don't know what hasn't. They just haven't announced anything. I I just I think that this is going to be so easy to do that. Um, it's it's not worth disrupting the the flow for. I think there's other things on their mind right now. Like but like what? I mean, this seems like the boring part of spring training to me. I mean, this seems like the perfect time to announce an extension. I mean, there's not really a lot of battles going on in spring training, and uh, I don't know. This just seems like the perfect opportunity to do it. Well, let's see. They had an off day yesterday. They blew that one. So they've got an off day on March 31st before the regular season starts. How about if we announce it then? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Cause like you said, Fred, it seems so easy, but, and we've been saying that all off season. I, I just don't understand why it hasn't been done or hasn't been announced yet. I, maybe I'm making more of a big deal of it than it should be, but I think you'd want to get that done before he goes into, you know, his contract year. Well, I'm not sure yeah. his contract year is a big a deal for him as it was for uh, somebody like Rizzo, but but because uh, I don't think Freddie's leaving if they give him a reasonable contract. Yeah. Uh, but again, it would be nice for the fans 
uh, and for his teammates to know Freddie's going to be there the next seven years. You know, yeah, uh, keeping that would be the band good. together. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, it's definitely selfish on my part. I just want I just want it to be done and and have that security again. I think I don't think anybody really believes he's going anywhere. So, you know, I don't think there's any concern there. But I certainly would love to see them get that done before the season starts if they could. All right. Anything else y'all wanted to discuss? Um, uh, again, we're two weeks away from from opening day here. Things are kind of wrapping up at spring training. I think most jobs are pretty much solidified at this point. Uh, you know, I wrote the other day the spring training's been kind of ho hum. Part of us just because <laughs> haven't been on a ton of games on TV to really watch and and see and evaluate these players. But also, I think a lot of the positions for the Braves coming into spring training were already pretty much locked up. You know, now we're just trying to keep everybody healthy and get them to opening day. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what else. I mean, uh, the the we the battles are the battles. We know what they are. Uh, I I suppose injury might pop up or something. But uh, again, you're right. I think everything is pretty well settled. I think if you held a gun to their head, they could tell you today who's leaving, who's breaking camp. Uh, we we'll, we'll might see some of his last week's surprises. Allie's last week's surprises come up. Uh, I I just you know. The, the one that sticks to my mind is uh, we lost a pitcher for injury and signed Irvin Santana as he was flying to sign under the contract. I, I know that kind of thing happens. I just don't see where that's going to happen this year. Uh, I don't like the depth. Uh, this came up at that Sabre meeting last night. Uh, where the depth is not as good as I would like it. I would like to keep guys around who can hit, but uh, there just aren't any. And uh, I think Sandoval's there because Sandoval wants to be there. He took a he minor does. league deal yeah. because he loves the he loves the camaraderie, he loves the team, he loves the setup, and I think he would stay there, uh, you know, past his retention bonus. He wouldn't demand his release because if you're getting him to play, if you're letting him if you're letting him play, he's probably going to stick around. Uh, and it can't hurt to have a guy with a postseason record on there. I don't know that he expects to make the team, but I think he he's there because, like Ozuna, he likes the feel, and uh, I think that that's that, that's important. Uh, that's uh, uh, if if Pablo sits at, at uh, Gwinnett and in an emergency we need him, we've got him. And if he doesn't, I hope he sticks on somewhere and gets does well because you know it's hard not to root for Panda. But I just don't think there's a whole lot uh, of uh, mystery left. Looking around the league, I uh, don't really want to face Adam Duvall right now. Uh, he suddenly got his back going, and the the Marlins show up on the schedule on April 12th and and stay there for four days. Um, you know, you talk about depth. That's one of the things that I was concerned with. Well, concerned with in a uh, just general feel uh, about the rest of the NL East. Uh, I don't know that there's a lot of depth around the league at all, really. Uh, you get past the first line starters in most clubs and you've got not much behind it with the exception of the Marlins. The Marlins do have some depth because they're all young <laughs> and they, they, they all have uh, uh, good prospects uh, coming up there. So those guys are, are well prepared for the season. I don't know that the Nationals are. don't know that the Mets or the Phillies are really. Uh, defensively, I have concerns with the Mets on their corners, both infield and outfield. Uh, defensively, I think the, the Phillies are a little shaky as well. And, uh, the Nationals just, you know, one 
one small injury away from uh, busting up their uh, pitching rotation again, and and Lord knows we've seen that happen the last couple of years. So uh, I think the Nationals have to have a lot of things go right to have a good season, uh, the Phillies as well, and uh, the Mets need to, to essentially have everything go perfectly as in in addition to that. So uh, I, I'm still looking at Braves right now fairly easily over the Mets, and then uh, Phillies and Washington fighting it out for third place, and and the Marlins uh, being pesky right behind them. The, the biggest yeah. the biggest Mets thing to happen is Cookie Carrasco's already hurt. Yes. I feel sorry for Cookie. Come out, he's got little elbow issues. I'll take a couple days off. He takes a few days off. His elbow's feeling, goes back out and tears a hamstring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not good. I mean, uh, it, it, that's such a Mets thing to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, really. Uh, but I, I again, I, the corners of the Mets infield aren't good. I'm not worried about the outfield. I think the outfield is okay. Uh, but, uh, they, their depth at the corners, the infield, they're going to hit if they can, if they can, uh, keep the ball, other team from scoring more runs, they'll be, they'll be dangerous. If the defense turns into Cincinnati's, they'll be no good at all. Phillies, the Phillies are a dark horse here. Their lineup doesn't impress me yet, but that's just the kind of thing that, all of a sudden comes together at the last minute, and they've got a manager there that knows how to do that. Um, and they picked up some bullpen pieces. They could be they could be dangerous if their starters are good. Um, yeah, I and, agree. And mm-hmm. and because uh, they and he, you got Harper in the middle of that lineup, you got Real Muto there. There's some thump in that lineup. It's just and and Cutchins back. Uh, I I there's some thump in the lineup. I just you know it just has to gel. It's one of those things that. A team just doesn't look like it's going to be very good, and all of a sudden everybody's playing above, playing out of their mind. And if Philadelphia does that, they're going to be rough. And uh, the other, they, yeah. yeah, they lost a slew of games last year because their bullpen sucked, and they just don't have those guys anymore. They, they yeah. definitely made some improvements there. So if they pick up six or seven games just from the bullpen, then they're going to be right in the thick of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you, Ellen. I, I, I think the Braves are the clear favorite in my mind, you know, mostly because they've been there before. They've, you know, had some success in the postseason now. I think they believe they're a World Series contending team. They kind of just have that belief. They know they can do it. It's no longer, you know, them trying to prove that they can do it. Um, you know, the only thing that could hurt them, I guess, is just complacency at this point, but I don't see that happening. I know Freddie Freeman mentioned, you know, the only thing he really has left to do is to win that World Series. So I know he's hungry for it. Acuna seems like he's hungry to prove he's the best player in the league this year. Uh, so uh, to me, the Braves are, are the front runner in my mind, and it's everybody else trying to battle for, for second place. And I wouldn't be surprised the Marlins don't finish last in the division. Maybe that, we'll see next week. I think next week we'll do our – uh, preseason predictions before the, the season starts. So, uh, kind of contemplating that. Maybe the, the Marlins don't finish last in the NLEs. Maybe that'll be one of my bold predictions there. But, um, other than that, I, I think, you know, the Braves are right on track. They're ready to get going here, put everybody in bubble wrap and let's get them ready for opening day. <laughs> um, but that will do it for this episode of the Tomahawk Take podcast. Appreciate all of the follows and listens. Make sure that you check out the site at tomahawktake.com where you can see Work from me and Alan and Fred and a bunch of other writers that we have 
on staff there and got some more coming. So really excited about the coverage we're going to be bringing you this season. So again, uh, appreciate all the support. Make sure that you subscribe to the Tomahawk Take podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we'll talk to you next week. This has been the part two of an ongoing Bench Battles edition of the Tomahawk Take podcast, which is a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC, a subsidiary of Minute Media Inc. You can call this one The Splinters Show. Opinions expressed for the show today are solely those of the participants. No, you can't blame Minute Media except for withholding their supervision. All rights reserved. One of the musical selections used today comes to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash four slash 4.0. And yes, I do this every week. This was a piece by Kevin McLeod entitled Still Pickin'. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io. All other selections used come via rights purchased by tomahawkdick.com. Thanks for tuning into the podcast today, and hopefully you'll find that your rosters are full of good surprises in the next week. We'll catch you in the next inning. See you then. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.